Uh, so this has been quite the adventure, four weeks. I can't believe it. Um, it's been challenging. It's been stretching and growing, and um, it's been a great privilege, and I've learned a lot through this. Um, it's the first time I've done a sermon series, and I just, uh, uh, thanks to Rob, who gave up the pulpit for four weeks for me and for Devin before that. So um, I hope you guys have gotten something out of this, and it hasn't just been me learning. <laughs> but here we go. On to our last sermon. Uh, first, I'm going to recap, because it is because of Jesus, as this sermon is called. So let's recap the authority of Jesus for the last time this week. Uh, Jesus is God in the flesh. He's the image of the invisible God. Jesus is not a second-rate created God. He was there from before the beginning. He was involved in creation, and he will be with us for eternity. And Jesus is the head of the church. He just uh, did not just come and then leave us. He's our head, and we are his body. And Jesus is the first one to rise from the dead, which gives us hope that we too will one day rise with him. Um, and one of the reasons I'm recapping that is because today we're going to go into three things, stuff that we're supposed to stop doing, stuff that we're supposed to start doing, and then how we should act in some of our most influential relationships. And the reason that, um, that we are doing these things, last week I talked about um, not getting caught up in legalism, and a shout out to the ladies who are holy and wore their floral prints today so that they could... Um, yeah, be closer to the presence of God or whatever it is. But anyway, um, legalism is something that we don't want to be caught up in, but we do know that God calls us to certain things. And I'm going to read from Colossians 3, 5 to 11 right now. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator." Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. So our first slot question this morning is, what benefit do we get when we stop these earthly behaviors, those ones that were just listed? So you can answer those on Slack. Why is God angry about this stuff? It's just the wrath of God in this passage. Um, because God sees that these sins aren't just about how they affect me, but there's a ripple effect to them and how they affect um, other people, both inside the church and in culture. Um, one of the big ones, or one of the things that I think has been uh, such an impact on our society these days is pornography. And pornography is not just something that happens in the world. It happens in the church, too. And we can think it's just... Uh, you know, I'm not hurting anybody, I'm just sitting in my basement or in my room or whatever. But it's not just us we're impacting, it's any intimate relationships we have, but it's also the people that are used to produce that kind of entertainment, if we call it that. And so um, when we do these things, when we engage in these things, we are not foreshadowing the fulfillment of God's promises. We're actually part of what is destroying the world and what God wants to save us from. And that's just one of the things um, that our culture has grasped onto as they're trying to fix whatever it is that's wrong. 
And that is why God hates these things, because of the damage that it does, not just to his people, but to um, all the people of the world. Because of the authority of Christ in our lives, we have to get rid of the behaviors that bring negative consequences. Um, I think we've seen uh, in our society that when a church leader falls or a prominent Christian falls or um, when things come to light, the whole church gets a black eye from that and all of Christians are painted with the same brush. And so I, I challenge you, what, what are you doing that can not only just damage you, but the people that look to you for what um, a life following Christ looks like. And I think we need to always have that in our minds. We must put, off the, put these things away like dirty, worn-out pieces of clothing. And mostly these sins break relationships. Um, so in this, we must change our actions, we must change our attitude, and we must change our language so that we are speaking words of life and growth and not these things. Um, it's not just regulating our earthbound behavior in terms of sin management. It's actually digging out the roots and utterly destroying the things that stand against God. And uh, that's basically a heart change. And really, the only way we can do this is through the power of the Holy Spirit. When we try and do it in our own strength, we stumble. Um, but when we just, it's one of the reasons why we need to maintain such an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, because he can help us and walk us through that. Let's check our slack. What benefit do we get when we stop these earthly behaviors? God hates sin, not because it affects him, but because it destroys us. So true. We get to not reap the consequences of my bad choices when I choose to not go in these directions. Absolutely, because we do know that there are consequences. Freedom, that's a great one. We do get freedom from the, the consequences, from the things that um, weigh us down in those things. Not just engaging in worldly things, but not fulfilling the promises of God. And sin drives us away from God, so ceasing sin, sin will bring us closer to God, right? And I think we know sometimes when we're not living our life the way we should that it feels like God's not there. And we know God is never not there, so maybe we need to like, take a look at ourselves. We bring, it brings peace. And uh, uh, someone wrote, I've been, I've been really challenged this year to change what I watch and read. I used to not really filter things because uh, I'm a Christian and I can filter things myself. But I realized how much garbage I've been consuming. Since challenging myself with this, I have been way less anxious, more productive, because I'm finding my time, filling my time with different things like my garden or hobbies. Um, and I, the, someone else read, they heard a message last week that said, we are not breaking a law, but we are breaking God's heart. Absolutely. Um, now I'm going to go into our next section. Okay, so we're going to stop doing those things. What are the, some of the things that we should start doing? So from Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Our second slot question is, how does the community benefit when we behave in this way? Um, so this is the whole, let's put on a new garment. And again, we can only do this through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, and there should be a sense of urgency in putting on this new garment. Because this is how the church helps to fix uh, the problems of the world that the, pro that the world is trying to fix. Um, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. When these virtues are present, they reduce frictions in relationships. And then in my note, I had here story, because I was supposed to come up with a story for a time when um, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, uh, when I've seen that play out. And I, so I've been praying this week, and I was like, okay, I need a really good story. And then the Holy Spirit was like, you're a control freak. You should tell that story. And I'm like, okay, so I'm a control freak, but that's okay. I recognize it, and it's all right. But sometimes when you do ministry with other people and you're a control freak, it can actually break relationships. And so I've had to learn over the years that sometimes it's better for things to not be done as perfectly as you feel like you can do them, to let other people have a chance to serve in, um, in what God's called them to. And then one day, maybe they will be perfect like you're perfect, and it will be great for them. <laughs> and it's funny because um, we had our retreat recently, and poor Amy got saddled with both her work and my work, and she did a phenomenal job, and everyone loved the retreat, and it was all great. But I was just standing there being like, I don't have anything to do. What am I going to do? But I love Amy so much that I had to show humility and meekness and kindness and uh, put my own self away and my own uh, pride and abilities away because... Uh, it's important for us to build up the body and each other. And she did an amazing job, so it was all good. One of the commentaries I was reading says, let the life that is in you by virtue of your union with Christ work itself out and express itself in all your thoughts, actions, and relationships. It also says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your heart to which indeed you were called in one body. And this peace is both an inwardly peace and an outwardly peace. It affects how we interpret things that happen to us inwardly, and it affects how we re respond to things that happen to us outwardly. So when we have that peace of God, when things come our way, when, when we're blindsided by stuff, we can react in a way that brings glory to God. And that's an important part, particularly in community. And then we all have something to contribute to make this a community that is known for its love. Uh, go back and listen to Devin's worship uh, sermons again, where he was talking about how bring a song, bring a hymn, all of those kinds of things, because we want to be a people-facing church, not a front-facing church. It's not just all about what's happening up here. It's about what each one of us bring, because God is doing something in each one of our lives. So we all have something that we can bring and share. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him, because Jesus has the authority to change us. So let's be thankful to him. We need to represent him and his name. And in all that we do, we must retain a sense of God's goodness and must thank him. 
We do this through Jesus' authority in us, removing the evil and replacing it with healthy behavior that glorifies God. All right, let's head over to Slack again. Uh, we foreshadow the fulfillment of God's promises. Very good. That's our, it's like we should put that on a bumper sticker or a shirt or something. Um, we become what the world really needs. God with the skin on, absolutely. The Apostle Paul is teaching us how to be spiritual, how to live as a Christian, how to be Christian. We can add compassion, humility, and forgiveness to the list he gave us of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. But remember, it is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, not my fruit. That's really good. Um, being a bad influence is like the guy who roars through the harbor making a big wake and disturbs the peace for everyone. Someone who is loving their boat recently, so <laughs> that's good. Very good. All right, I'm going to flip back for our last section here. Um, and this is about our most influential relationships. So we took the book of Colossians, and then I had to break it up into, like, different sections and preach on it. And I was almost going to just, like, cut this section out because I'm like, I don't really want to go there. But anyway, then this week I've been, I, we, I put it in and we wrote it, and then this week the Lord's just been speaking a lot to me about this section. So Colossians 3, 18 uh, to 4, 1. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants fairly, justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So the last question is, which relationships do you have to allow God's love to flow through you the most? Um, so in this section, the first thing we need to do is we need to recognize that um, you're only responsible and should only be concerned with the part that's addressed to you. And often what happens in this passage is that uh, like a husband will be like, yo, wife, you need to submit. And the husband will be, the wife will be like, yo, you need to love me. Or parents will be like, yo, kids, you need to like be obedient. And the kids will be like, yeah, mom, but don't frustrate me. I mean, that never happens. And that kind of thing. So we often use this as a weapon against each other, but that's not what it is. This is actually um, the, these are not rights to be demanded, but they're um, actions to be displayed. And uh, we don't get to stand in front of Jesus one day and say, oh, well, he didn't or she didn't. So let's start with the first one, husbands and wives. Wives, submit to your, your husbands. Again, this is not an, a weapon, and all actions are to be voluntary and come out of a willingness to show God's love to the other person. I think that submission has gotten such a bad rap in our society because we think of it as like, uh, he's the boss, I have to submit, I don't get to have a say or anything like that, but that's not what, that's not what this passage is talking about. What this passage is talking about is sacrificial behavior. So as wives, when we um, submit to our husband, we're not doing that because 
uh, he's more better than us or more be smarter than us or more whatever. It's just that God's called us to bring peace and harmony into a relationship. And sometimes that means somebody's got to give. And hopefully, most of the time, you can come up with the ideas together, and you're partnering with each other, and you're coming through, and you're coming to a conclusion together. But if somebody's got to give, and what I've noticed is that in Derek's and my marriage, when someone, something's got to give, and I'm willing to submit, then um, God has brought blessing into the situation, even if Derek's wrong sometimes, which of course he never is. But when I'm willing to submit, when I'm willing to lay down my life, not when he demands it, but when I'm willing to, that God can bring blessing. The next one is husbands love your wives. And this isn't just to like bring her flowers and candy and chocolate. This is actually sacrificial love. This is the uh, love that makes it so that your wife actually doesn't have a problem submitting to you because she knows, like I know, that uh, Derek loves me, he loves my kids, and he loves the Lord. So if he and I have a difference of opinion with that basis as the solid basis for uh, our marriage, it's okay because he is willing to live love sacrificially. And he lets me get my way a lot, so that's also good. Parents and children, children obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Yeah, even if you have a rocky relationship, I know that sometimes our earthly parents aren't that great. And, uh, but when we honor them, even when it's not due, because we want to live a life that honors God, then we, are, then we will see a blessing from God. I have a young girl who I've mentored for a few years now, and uh, back a wow. Time kind of goes by, probably about eight years ago. Um, her mom left and uh, walked out on her. And uh, it was very, her and her dad and her two siblings. And she basically didn't see her again for quite a few years. She missed graduation, she missed whatever, and uh, some of the big events in her life. And I came into her life around that time and uh, started mentoring her, and we started having this conversation about, okay, what is honoring my mom, who abandoned my family, actually look like? And, um, and we worked through the whole thing of, you know, you might be disappointed that they're not able to be the person that, that they're supposed to be, that they were called to be, but you can still honor them, and you can still pray for them, and you can still uh, show them respect and um, the things that God has called you to do without, um, without, without having to admit that what they did is fine. And so uh, it took a while for her to work through that, but she got married two years ago, and um, we were at the rehearsal dinner, and she uh, looked down at the end of the table, and it was her mom, her stepmom, me, and her future mother-in-law, and she said, it was so unreal for me to see my mom and my stepmom and my mother-in-law and my spiritual mother all sitting together, and I would not have believed that God could have done that two years ago. But when you're willing to um, just lay down your own rights, and when you're willing to look at things sacrificially, then God can do such a healing work. And uh, it's still not a perfect relationship, but she is back in relationship with her mom, and it's such a blessing. Uh, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. We used to use this one on my dad all the time when, when we were teenagers. It was great. 
Um, as parents, we need to make sure that we're not too strict and demanding that our children are unable to meet our standards. We are an example of God's attitude towards them. Our goal of, as parents is to teach them how to be submissive to God, to, uh, to us, in the same way that they should be submissive to God. So this doesn't negate discipline. Obviously, God disciplines us. We need to discipline our kids. But we need to make sure that the attitude that we're doing that in is the, uh, with the attitude of love, the same way that God does it to us. And, and with the um, understanding that we want to help them to grow in their maturity and their relationship with God. That's our goal. If we can do that, then we are being successful as parents. And moms, you're not off the hook, even though it just says fathers. You also have to help your kids grow. Um, the last category is bond servants and masters. Bond servants obey in everything those who, are earthly, those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Slaves. Slaves are paid, placed here in this section because they were actually considered part of the household back in Paul's day. Um, slave, slavery is a horrible thing, and, but it was a cultural reality. More than half of the people in the Roman Empire were slaves. They were slaves either through financial distress uh, or they had been conquered in war or they were um, slaves. And people have been like, well, why didn't Paul like just say slavery was bad, but uh, while Paul does not outright condone slavery, what he does is he puts slaves and masters on an equal footing before God. And that is the attitude that one day led to the abolishment of slavery in much of the world that we know today, though horrifically there is still slavery going on in some places. But that attitude, the recognition of equality is uh, such an important part Masters, treat your bondservants fairly, justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. In a time where slaves had almost no rights, Paul points out to master that masters have obligations as well. No one is above anyone else in the kingdom of God, and all are expected to act with love of, love of God towards others in the church, regardless of their status. Okay, so how does that apply to me today? I'm not a slave. I'm not a master. For us, this is in your often in your work relationships. Are you a boss? Are you an employee? Whether you are either of these things, whatever your job is, you must do to the glory of God. Uh, if you're an employee, work. Work hard even if your boss is terrible. Work hard and be an example of what um, a Christian who's living a life that glorified God is. If you're a boss, be a good boss. Be someone who uh, is kind to your employees, takes care of them, looks after them, just like Jesus would do. No one is above anyone else in God's kingdom. Let us jump back to slack. I think I allow God's love to flow through me in all, in all or most relationships. Where I struggle is allowing God's grace to flow through me. Mm -hmm. We do need grace sometimes. The most I would say... Uh, husbands, your home, then whoever God brings your way. Okay. Do you want to be right or stay married? Interesting. Yeah. I want to be both, but yeah. <laughs> um, show respect and praying for those parents who have let us down is part of this passage. God can do wonderful things as we open up the grace to lay down our own rights. Thank you, God. Uh, 
just after the call for wives to submit to their husbands. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. Absolutely. And then being fair, the most important verse in Colossians before we leave it, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. How to make difficult decisions. Go with what gives you peace. Amen. All right, that is actually the conclusion of my sermon today. So we looked at what we should stop doing, we looked at what we should start doing, and we looked at how we should act in our most influential relationships. Uh, Join us next week. It's our forum, and we're going to talk about all these things that we talked about for the last four weeks. So we hope to see you guys here or online. And let me just close this in prayer. God, I thank you that you give us the power to love those that you've called us to love. That even in difficult circumstances, that you will be there through us, because Holy Spirit, you want to work in us and through us. I pray that we would be able to stop doing anything that hinders us from bringing you glory. And I pray that we would be a people that's known for their kindness, for their humility, for their willingness to love all. And so, God, as we go this week, I pray that you would do a work in each of us, that you would um, plant in our hearts the things that you want us to learn. Be with us all, in Jesus' name. Amen. Enjoy the rest of your long weekend.